in terms of my sports hierarchy, there are very few sporting events, leagues that I love more than college football. And there were certainly issues with, with the way that national champions were, were, were chosen, or at least those playing for a national championship in years past. Uh, enter the, the BCS era. In my mind, it was an absolute nightmare. Uh, and you, you, we saw a transition to a four-team playoff. And for me, uh, I had been clamoring for a playoff for a long time. Because all you got to do is stay in the NCAA. Look at what college basketball does. Look at what that product is for college basketball. And, and then put it over with the, with the sycophants of us college football fans. And you just have a recipe for something truly special. Those of us who absolutely love college football, those of us who will watch a, a you know a TCU uh, and uh, you know a Coastal Carolina game on a random Thursday night? Hands up if you're one. I'm just I, I love college football. So for me, when a, a committee within the college football playoff comes out and puts out a 12 team playoff format. I couldn't possibly be more excited. And is this perfect? No. I don't know that any any format would be perfect enough for college football fans. I think there's always going to be scrutiny. I think there will always be teams and leagues and and groups that left that feel left out. But in terms of the here and now, in terms of where we've been in the past and where we'd like to go with this thing in the future, this is as really as good as it gets. So a, a new committee in the college football playoff group came out with a, a, a new format for expansion. You're not talking about four teams anymore. You're not talking about six or eight or 10. You're talking about 12 teams. Would I have liked 16? Yep. Again, Sicko. But in, in, in the world of, of improving the college football playoff, improving uh, the odds of getting it right, who the best team is in college football, it happens at a snail's pace. Everything is so slow. They want to take the time to see if this is the way to go. If it isn't, we'll tweak, we'll add, we'll take away. But it happens slowly. So I think a lot of people expected the next step to be an eight-team playoff. And then give that a decade, see how it goes, and let's make another move. No. We're going from four to 12 in this situation. Now, the, the working group is calling for the field to be made up of, of the six highest ranked conference champions and then you got six at-large teams and the top four will receive buys and if you're a Michigan fan like me if you're a a, a, a Spartan alum like young Nicholas Roddy I think we all have a shared disdain 
for the Golden Domers in Notre Dame. You know what this does? You know what this does? I think this working group, this was a big middle finger to Notre Dame. They do the Fighting Irish no favors here. Because as an independent, somebody not in a, in a conference, and you've got no chance to win a conference championship, even if the Fighting Irish finished the year 12-0, and they would have no shot, no shot in this format for a first-round bye. They could not finish any better than number five. Good. Notre Dame has thumbed their nose at the Big Ten. They want to pretend like they're in the ACC, but they're not. They've avoided joining a conference like the Plague. They chose a big-money TV deal with NBC, and now their odds of winning a national championship under this format, if adopted, would be that much harder. Yeah, but their athletic director was part of the four-person committee who came up with this proposal, so apparently they're on board with it. Well, possibly. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, would you be on board with this? No, of course not. I would if it's you're not getting penalized for not having a conference championship game. The penal the, the, the penalty is you can never have a bye. You yeah. could never finish better than five. Okay. Well, you're, I, I, that, you're, you're playing you're one less play. game than everyone else, though. So well, possibly. I mean, yes. That's, sure. That's a penalty. But with that being said, you got to go through a bigger gauntlet. If these teams want to put themselves in the best position to win a championship. And for me, a bye would do that. That'd give you an extra week of preparation. That would give you an extra week of rest. That, that, that's, a, that's a little bit of a gold mine there at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, you talked about how slowly college football usually takes things and how this is going from 4 to 12. It's still going to happen slowly. The earliest this is going to take place is the 2023 season. Correct. Possibly even the 2025 season after ESPN's uh, TV deals over with the college football right. playoff. And this is just a proposal. This is this is not. Yeah, they'll be hearing it this week. As, right. This is not happening as of right now, and it's not taking effect next year. But the fact that they're coming out with this proposal is is interesting. One of the other interesting parts of this is. Again, based on your performance, not every Power 5 conference is going to be guaranteed a spot. Like uh, Oregon last year, number 25, they were the highest, the eighth highest ranked conference champion. Under this format, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, San Jose State would have finished higher than Oregon. And they would have missed the spot. Look, we can continue talking about this uh, in a couple minutes, don't go anywhere. But this is interesting. This is interesting. I want to get Nick's thoughts on this coming up on the other side as well. Uh, you're listening to Sports Wrap here on Sunday on WJR. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy back next. You're probably driving around. You're probably, uh, maybe you're by the grill. God help you. Hopefully having a cold pop and, and, and you know, last year was weird. I know you're Chris. It last year was a weird year because of COVID in college football. And it was, you're right. But in terms of what happened to Oregon, it, it is weird. It's bizarre. And, and how they would factor into a 12 team playoff would be weird. 
But we've seen weird stuff in college football before. But all this would do, it would continue to put an emphasis on finding the best teams out of conference for your schedule. Strength of schedule would continue to be a premium. I, I disagree because beating a bad team has been forever viewed by the college football committee as better than losing to a good team. Yeah. I'm not sure that's going to change. But I think when you start including more teams into the mix, when there are more teams that are going to be eligible for a playoff, I, I, my, I would think that it's not just about racking up a number of wins, uh, you know, a number of wins against cupcakes anymore. Because now the pool is bigger. The pool is expanded. So here would have been the college football playoff if it were 12 teams last year. Top four were Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. They would all have buys. The 8-9 matchup would be Cincinnati, Georgia. 5-12 would be Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina. 7-10 would be Florida versus uh, Iowa State. Mm -hmm. And 6-11 would be Texas A&M versus Indiana. Perfect. It's great. Is it? Uh, is it really going to change anything? Well, yes, because I think when you're when are any you're, of those teams beating Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or or Oklahoma? Look, it could. They absolutely could. They, they you bring a lot of the sense of March Madness then into college football. No, is Indiana beating Alabama? Probably not. But they beat Penn State. I mean, I'm just saying, wacky things happen in college football, and my goodness, could you imagine a team like Indiana taking down Auburn, taking down Oklahoma, in a in a in a similar fashion to the way that they beat Penn State this year? Yeah, on the road in a true road game because those um, first those first games would be yes uh, hosted by the correct better, better team, they'd be hosted team. by the higher seeded team. So for me, this is why it's appealing. I think that it drives up interest in the regular season. I think it's going to drive up interest in the playoffs. I love the fact that a team from the SEC would have to drive up somewhere in uh, in these northern states, in the Big Ten, uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin. I'll leave Michigan off the list. And I think it penalizes schools like Notre Dame. Because they haven't gotten with the program. And maybe that'll change. Maybe they don't care about this. But this is everything that I want in a college football postseason. Yeah, maybe they want to host a maybe they want to host a game. Maybe I they'd rather host than with a bye. Sure. Of, would Alabama rather host a game as like the five seed than get a bye and then play in the next round? Because you're getting that home gate. You're you're getting a sure. home game. You're probably making a lot of money off that game. You're making a lot of money and, 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 and if, money, if you get a buy, you're not hosting that next round. No, you're exactly right. Neutral site. You're exactly right. So it's interesting for me. I, I, and I, you know, this is where I want college football to go. I want all of the intrigue, all of the suspense. And again, college football and college basketball, are very different monsters, but I want that same it's the same type of feel for your for your for what we've got now in college football for the for the four team playoff and expand it quadruple it 
three times the size. That is exciting. That is what I want college football. That's where I want this thing to go. Now, look, like we said, this isn't put in stone. This wouldn't be happening next year. We're, we're, we're three years down the road. But the fact that this is the conversation, the fact that they're not talking about six, eight teams, 10 teams, whatever it is, the fact that they're jumping right to 12 is very exciting to me. I, I, I'm going to be very interested to see when this thing goes to a vote, when they talk about it behind closed doors, what the discussion is going to be. And hopefully, like we're, hopefully we're still around by then. By the well, time that's true. It takes place. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. Um, you know, this weekend also very exciting in Detroit. Um, with the Grand Prix on Belle Isle, I don't know if you saw. Uh, well, today's race. Um, it was Pedro Ward, who won the second race on Grand Isle or on um, on Belle Isle today in the Grand Prix. But yesterday, and, and there was some drama today, and we'll get to that in a second, but yesterday was particularly, in my opinion, egregious. So there was about five laps left, five, six laps left. Roger Penske, Team Penske in the lead, Will Power had a five-second lead with five to go over Marcus Erickson. A crash behind him. Caused him to go red flag, which means everybody pits while they clear the crash. So everybody rolls in. And while Will Power's sitting there, you can hear him in his headset and the announcers on, on NBC are talking about it. He's asking for a fan. Now, yesterday was sweltering hot. I'm sure it was like 120 degrees on the track. They're in this, you know, coffin-esque style car. They've got no room. They're in flame retardant onesies and they've got a helmet on it, it, it. They must've been dying in there, but you heard willpower going, I need a fan. I need a fan. I need a fan. And the fan wasn't for him. It was for his car because they had to turn the cars off. And when they went to turn the car back on to get the race back underway, willpower's car would not turn on. Wouldn't kick back on wouldn't fire because his ECU, which is the engine control unit, basically a computer system that fires the vehicle that fires the engine overheated fried out of the race with five to go. Mind you leading by five seconds, just moments before about a half hour before they had to, they had to pit had a five second lead over Marcus Erickson pulled over, killed the car, tried to fire back up ECU fried absolutely wild he was livid after the race I want to I want you to hear what he said here it is so that that's NBC's Kevin Lee another racer had a same issue with their ECU and 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 it was just absolutely gut-wrenching for team Penske here in Detroit and it was absolutely gut-wrenching for willpower it was brutal absolutely brutal and I understand Andy wants to try to finish these races under a green flag. I understand Andy wants to throw out that checkered. I understand that they don't want to finish the thing in caution. I get it. But what happened to Will Power yesterday was incredibly egregious in my mind. And something similar again happened today with Joseph Newgarden. Again, another Team Penske driver. It's just a shame. I, I believe that Indy needs to look at that. That's all I'm saying. 
All right, we got more to come here on Sports Wrap uh, momentarily. Uh, I want to get into a more serious topic. We'll hit that next. Also, there's some movement within the Tigers organization. We'll cover that coming up next at 632. Don't go anywhere. Sports Wrap continues here on WJR. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, next. All right, welcome back to Sports Wrap. Um, before we get into this next topic, um, Nick, you, you just pulled up some. You said the Athletic did a, a college football playoff mock, basically. Yeah, so they, they the basically went back. What, what did you see? They went back to the past 10 years and, and took the final rankings of the college football playoff rankings and kind of sorted out where teams would have been. So 2016... Um, Alabama, Clemson, Washington, and Penn State would have been your top four seats. They would have then gone Ohio State at five, Michigan at six, Oklahoma at seven, Wisconsin at eight, USC nine, Colorado 10, Florida State 11, and Western Michigan would have been 12th. So you would have had four Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. Western Michigan was 13-0, and and it would have finished 12th. Oklahoma State was nine and three and finished thirteenth in the rankings. So we are this close to if this was 2016, if Western Michigan finished thirteenth and Oklahoma State finished twelfth, you would have been leaving a thirteen and zero team, conference champion at home. Yeah, that's interesting. That's why I don't think these rankings. It's going to help this college football. This ex- do you think the, you think the problem exists with the rankings? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think there's so many ways to manipulate it. Yep, I think you're I think you're exactly right about that. But unfortunately, there's no way around that. I don't think no. unless they come up with an algorithm, basically like the BCS, <laughs> like the B. Well, sure, like the BCS. But then you need to. But then there would need to be a a best of both worlds kind of scenario here, yep. where you could bring in the algorithm format into a into a multiple team playoff format and maybe you'd have something there. Um, do you still have some of that information on what was, what's some of this movement within the Tigers? Organization? Yeah. So uh, the Tigers top two picks, the Tigers top two picks from uh, the 2020 draft, uh, Spencer Torkelson and Dylan Dingler have both been promoted to double uh, a Erie. Interesting. Uh, or in West Michigan, Torkelson actually didn't start the season very well. Um, in May, he hit uh, two thirty five had just five extra base hits in 19 games. He struck out 21 times. So 21 strikeouts in 19 games, hitting 235. That ain't good. In June, in 12 games in June, he's hitting 439 with just seven strikeouts. Uh, and he has, uh, let's see, 12 extra base hits. Nine doubles, a triple, and two homers in 12 games. He also has, has been... Walking a lot, he has uh, he had 15 walks in May, nine in June. So wow. he and Dylan Dingler, their second round pick, the catcher, are on their way to Erie in Double A. Interesting. All right. Well, that's a good sign. That's the the kind of progression we need to see, and um, that that's that's good news for Tigers fans. Um, look, this is a is a tough subject. You've obviously heard about it. We wanted to weigh in on it as well. The situation that's unfolding in Ann Arbor, all of the 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 allegations that are being thrown around, specifically by the son, the adopted son of Bo Schembechler, Matt Schembechler, 
who came out late this week in a press conference with two former players and said, look, uh, Dr. Robert Anderson, who was the team doctor for the University of Michigan football team, and a number of other teams in the athletic department, uh, Matt came out and said he was sexually abused by Robert Anderson. And Matt claims he went and told Millie, his mother, who was Bo's wife, Millie went to Canham, who was the athletic director at the time, and Canham said, we'll fire him. It was then Bo stepping in, telling Canham that he can't fire Anderson, and Canham then basically killed the firing, left Robert Anderson alone. And it was Matt Schembechler who said, Bo punched him in the, in the chest, knocked him across the kitchen floor, said, I don't want to hear about this again. Now you've got a bought and paid for report by the university of Michigan claiming more than 850 athletes were assaulted by Robert Anderson in one way or another. And now the question is, what did Bo know? What did he know? I think a lot of pessimists would say, well, look, of course the head coach of a school like the University of Michigan, like for a team like the Wolverines, would know. I think the questions surrounding that are valid, and I think the questions that are the folks that just can't believe it. It's a little hard to stomach. It's a little hard to get on board with that. Look, I never met Bo. I, I didn't know Bo. I don't know Bo. Everybody who I've talked to believes that this would, that this would have been out of character, that this would have, that this was just, it, it, it doesn't fit the guy. It doesn't fit his personality to do this. Certainly wouldn't hit his kid. Certainly, if he did, his wife would have a say about that. Because as I understand it, Millie was, she wouldn't have backed down from that. And a couple of notes here. Again, I'm not saying Matt is, Matt Schembechler is lying. I'm not saying he's telling the truth. This is an allegation. But I think there needs to be a little bit of context here. And that is, it was in 1969 when Bo was brought to the University of Michigan. Coming from Miami in Ohio, Bo did not have the clout that he later did to go to his athletic director and halt the firing of a doctor. He didn't have the clout at the time. Soon after he did, Bo became was one of the most influential sports figures in the state of Michigan, in the region. There are questions about Matt Schembechler's account of things. Heck, Shemmy, Glenn Schembechler, his brother doesn't even believe him. I mean, Bo took his kids off his, his trust. 
Bo, Matt Schembechler sued Bo for allegedly trying to kill his, his, um, you know, he was trying to make sports items out of old, uh, um, bleachers from, from the big house. And they didn't have a great relationship. He left home when he was 18. They, they, they didn't have a great relationship. But what's happening at the University of Michigan with with what has happened? And look, I, I don't like to compare scandals. I don't like to compare this to Michigan State. I don't like to compare this to what happened at Penn State. I don't like to compare what happened to Ohio State. They're all very different, but they share some similarities. I don't, to me, there is a certain tone deafness that the university is taking with this. And the questions now continue to surround. Bo Schembechler's name is on the football building. Bo Schembechler's statue is outside the football building. It's hard to go anywhere on that campus without having some semblance of Bo's somewhere. And of course, the natural question, the easy question is, well, then what do you do? You just get rid of him. You get rid of anything that has to do with Bo. And that's where people who have the nostalgia, that's who peop, that's where people who have that that they lived through those bow years as a fan and watched and it's it's a very tough spot to be in. And my my hope is that the university can can get this thing right for these people. Bo's dead. There there is no salvaging any sort of you know anything there for a lot of these victims and their families so we'll keep an eye on it and follow that for you here on sports rep all right we got spin on golf coming your way next we'll talk to some of the guys on the other side of the break chris renwick nick roddy here on wjr all right welcome back to sports rap uh we got our uh our good buddies the guys that spin on golf they're coming up next um, and I believe Sean Belegian is standing by. Shawnee, hey, what's up, happy Chris? Sunday to you. Right back at you, buddy. Um, I, I gotta say, I, I I I talked about I opened the show professing my love for college football. Just love it, and I I love this new proposed twelve team playoff format. I just I absolutely love it. Um. But I got to be honest, there are, and I, and I, uh, God, I, I'm a moron because I said this earlier. There are very few things that compare to, to college football atmosphere. Um, the play, it's just, a, it's just, it's a, it's its own kind of thing. Agreed. But playoff hockey, much like playoff baseball, are, are excellent products. And this year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it, it has been absolutely, Zero to 100, it has been wild, and it's been a fantastic product that the NHL has put out there this year. Well, and I think part of the reason why college football wants to go to 12 is they they want to see if perhaps some parity can enter the equation, as opposed to Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma. You know, um, this is exactly what the doctor ordered. If you want parity, you got a couple of fourth-place teams in the aisles and the Habs, you you have a third place team in Tampa. In in fairness, they're the defending Stanley Cup champion, and they didn't have one of the best players in the league all season. And you have a team that was a second place team in in Vegas. So 
it's been outstanding. It, it really has been. We were joking with uh, BC during the break. Maybe we should have a shortened season so everybody can just say, ready, set, go at the start of the playoffs and, you know, try to have some health. I mean, that's, yes, Darren McCarty. You can hear Darren McCarty, of course, here on 760 WJR on Fridays at 7. And, and he said, look, it, it's health. Health is, is at the top yeah. of the list. And if, if you – if you could stay healthy, if you can go into the playoffs and in, in relative health, look, you're going to lose some guys along the way. But if you have that depth to absorb uh, the losses, it, it's it's been outstanding. It really has been outstanding. And just in turn, and and I think the health is right because I don't. I I it just I watch hockey for a long time. Obviously, you have two. In terms of the speed at which they're playing right now, I don't I don't ever remember seeing this type of speed. And you're and you're talking about more athletic guys now. You're talking about more, you know, th- these guys are, are play really smart hockey for the most part. So when you combine those two things, this is what you get. But I don't remember ever seeing this type of pace, this type of fury, game in, game out. Maybe well, many, no, many uh, Chris. I think there's validity. I think for the longest time, what the one thing, if I maybe st- a stick in the mud for a moment. The one thing I don't like about the league today is is all the set plays. I, I, I don't like it. You know, when you have these fast, incredibly talented guys, let them go. And, and I, I think I think for years there was a premium on on size. And and there have been many smaller players that were overlooked that could dart around, but they were overlooked because they were so small. And you're bringing a lot of these guys into the league, and it, it's just made the league a better place. It really has. And there's a place for the guy that's five foot seven, five foot six, and the case of Cole Caulfield, you know, four foot two. Uh, there's a place for guys like that in the league today, and 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 they can they can have some success, no doubt. Uh, I, I know BC online. He's up at the uh, the Turtle Creek Casino for the 104th Turtle Creek Casino Michigan Open Championship. At oh, you're at Grand Traverse Resort. What up, BC? Not much. I'm a little ways away. I'm over at Torch Lake, but uh, okay. yeah, played the bear today. It was nice. It's good. Oh, fantastic track. It's yeah, it's unique, um, but it's brown this year. It's great. I love to see brown grass, which means is it brown this year? Yeah, hard as bouncy, a rock. Bouncy, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things are good up here. So, what are you uh, what are you expecting out of the uh, the hundred and fourth open this year? Um, well, there's a lot of the mini tour guys aren't here. They're playing their, uh, their big pseudo McKenzie tour event, uh, somewhere in the Midwest. So I don't think the scores will be as low as they have been in the past, but some of the, the past champions here, uh, Mr. White, Brett White, but, uh, I would, I would look for a little tighter bunch group this year at about, uh, 11 to 15 under. And, uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher to uh, make birdies this year because the, the, the greens around surround the greens are so firm. So if you miss a green, it's gone. It, yeah. it goes bye-bye. So uh, it's good though. It's good though. The greens are green, but the rest of the course is nice and brown. Good. Uh, Mike Fay, Jordan Young out at uh, DGC Detroit golf club, of course, getting red, uh, getting ready for uh, rocket mortgage classic here in geez, a couple of weeks. Um, we finished our, our 2021 pure Michigan golf tour with guy Gordon out there on Friday. And I got to say, um, that course is just in immaculate shape. It, mm. it, it looks fantastic. It's raring to go. It is ready to go. You know, it's pretty cool to see everything up, right? 
yeah. uh, Jordan, like all the stands. Yeah, this is your, this is it's your so first cool. time, right? Yeah, I've never seen it before. It was awesome. It's nice you wore your red shirt today well, to match in with the Rocket Mortgage, uh, all the banners and stuff. That's well, good. Mike helped me out. So <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, it's green and it's red. And it's looking cool. We're yeah. ready for it. That's right. Uh, the I will tell you, talking about the signage, the stanchions, the 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 just all the that goes into a PGA Tour event. Last year for the for the Rocket Mortgage Classic out at DGC, they kept all that up. And when a lot of tournaments and at a lot of courses around the country were tearing it down, it just felt like you were just watching a couple guys play golf. At DGC, it felt like an event still, just because they kept a lot of that signage up, and they were unique in that aspect, and I loved that they did that last year. I was so happy that they did it, because it at least set us apart from a lot of courses around the country, um, but they do a fantastic job. There are a lot of great sight lines at DGC, so if you haven't been, if you haven't been over the last couple of years, make sure you go, because it, it's a fantastic experience out there. And I see tickets are for sale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're Love ready. To see that. Yeah. By the way, I have to point out, nobody leads the league like BC in regards to his backdrop. I mean, every week he's got a lake behind him. He's got beautiful woods behind him. It's just, Every time I'm looking at the screen, it's just like, I want to be where BC's at. <laughs> it's going to get better. The next show, I'll move down next to the lake. Actually, I'll be overhanging the lake, the place I'm staying. But anyway, uh, very lucky. Very that's lucky just, network that's of people. I know. That's just a shame, BC. I, you, you just look absolutely miserable up there. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's terrible. If I didn't have to play golf, it'd be unbelievable, but I got to play golf. <laughs> what do you guys it's got okay. coming up today? Uh, lots of stuff. Uh, Kevin Helm, of course, uh, will be joining us. Kevin Helm is the executive director of the Michigan PGA. I'm going to tell you point blank, I don't know the first thing about Garrett Kegu other than what I read today. So I'm going to ask these guys about him. I, I know nothing about this guy. What's he doing when in the Palmetto? So uh, I'll ask these guys about him. I've, I've uh, done my research, but I'm just confessing to you guys, I don't know anything about the 22-year-old South African. I know that. He's 22, and I know he's a full-time PGA Tour member. That's about it. Yeah, good. Then, then <laughs> we'll make stuff up about him. Mr. Right. Faye's got all of his stats. I yeah, remember. yeah, Mike's yeah. got it handled. See, we just let Mike handle it. He's, he's got a running, He's a running <laughs> rebel, you guys. Fresh out of college. It was like the tournament rebel. nobody wanted to win, it seemed like. It 18 guys at 10 under, and then he ended up finishing 11. Yeah, we did. that tournament definitely set out a POW. <laughs> I mean, hands down, P-O-W. P-O-W. Oh, There was some poor putting at the end, I saw. Is that yes. oh, my. punk of the week? Punk of the week, baby. Okay. All right. I can't wait. Oh, yep. I got a surprise for you tonight, too, Sean, but I'm going to wait till the end of our show. Oh, good. Yep. Hey, the hey. Maple Leafs in the conference finals? Yeah. It's, uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> Not, hey. Just wait. I'm going to make you wait to the end of the show <laughs> just to rub it in. All right. Oh, okay. My. All right. Uh, and, and ahead of I, you guys have this great rocket mortgage signage out there. You're looking fantastic out at DGC, Mike and, and Jordan. Um, what, what this, we've got a couple Will's Owl Taurus is now committed to this thing. This field is wild for that tournament coming up. I mean, th- you are getting, almost every recognizable golfer on the planet. It's fantastic. 
DeChambeau, Duffner, Donald. I mean, a lot of the big guys, too. I mean, Phil. Phil, great guys playing. It's going to be exciting. It always is. Yeah. All right. Well, make sure you tune in to Spin on Golf to talk about somebody you don't know anything about. That's coming <laughs> up next here on WJR. Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy, don't go anywhere. Spin on Golf starts next here on WJR. Have yourself a wonderful Sunday.